Welcome to the Weight Release Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Bron Martin, the hypnotic weight whisperer. This podcast is for women who are so over diets, but you still want to release weight. And if diets don't work, and we know they don't from hard-won experience, then what do we do? It's all good. Now you're in the right place. I'm going to share practical tools, inspiration, insights, and a little bit of mind-bendy hypno-magic to support you in your weight release journey. So let's get started, shall we? Welcome to Fast Food Freedom. Today we're diving into the nitty-gritty of fast food consumption. Why we eat it, what we're eating, what are we actually eating? You will be amazed. And its impact on all aspects of our lives and our bodies and also how we can liberate ourselves from the clutches of those fast food manipulators. Now, I'm thinking about fast food that, you know, it's a drive-through. It is going to McDonald's. It's going to Burger King or Hungry Jack's, as we call it in Australia. It's going to Domino's, which doesn't have a drive-through, but you know what I mean. Like the really shit fast food places. I'm not so much focusing on your local Thai takeaway in this or grabbing sushi or anything like that. I'm not focusing on that. This is about those food restaurants that are selling food like substances that aren't actually food. So what is the issue with fast food? Why am I got a little bee in my bonnet about this fast food? Now, some people will say, it's just easy. It's convenient. It's cheap. And especially if you're buying for a family, you know, that cost and that convenience is a factor, right? And when you're first eating it, it tastes good. But <laughs> there is a cost associated with everything. There is a cost associated with the food that we choose to eat. Now, we all know that fast food, junk food, is really unhealthy. It's packed full of uh, salt, sugars, unhealthy trans fats. And I was just reading an article the other day that was talking about these trans fats that are actually um, like a massive link now with Alzheimer's and trans fats. So there's new research coming out all of the time. We kind of know that. But when we're driving past those little golden arches and the lure of that hot, salty, fatty, greasy food draws us in. Now it can draw us in for a few ways. The truth is that we have been indoctrinated since we were children of happy meals, of playgrounds, of uh, characters like Ronald McDonald, you know, and like Burger King, Hungry Jacks. I don't know if they've ever done that because that sort of arrived a little bit later because, you know, I'm a bit older. So that's still the lure of the fast food, of going in there and getting it. We're being lied to all the time. Like if you look at the menu, does anything that you've ever received from a fast food restaurant in any way, shape or form resemble the menu item? No, no. It's always a bit soft. It's always a bit smaller. It's always a bit limper. Like you never get that fresh lettuce that you see in there. You never get the tomato peeking out. It's just like slapped on there. And the meat is never as juicy and yummy because they spend hours and hours creating that food, that Franken food, so it looks appetizing. And they know they're manipulating us by knowing that our eyes are doing the thinking, our eyes are doing the eating, and our eyes are seeing that. <laughs> and then we see what we're given and we're like, oh, 
And we all know that when you're eating a diet high in processed foods, it increases the risk of depression and anxiety. And if you think about the connection between gut health and about, you know, mental health, there's a massive connection there. There's also obviously obesity, heart disease, diabetes, and other chronic illnesses. So it affects us on all levels and layers. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but I don't think my one meal a week is going to be doing that. We're going to explore as we continue through this episode, how it actually affects you in terms of how you view your identity around food. Now, for many families, or if you're single or in a partnership, if you get to the end of the week, Friday or Saturday night is usually takeaway night, right? So I'm not trying to rob you of your tradition or routine or ritual of having that, but I'm highlighting to you what you choose at that time is really, really important for the rest of your week, actually. It's for the identity that you have around the food that you eat. So fast food has crept its way into our diets and lifestyles. It's so easy to pull into you know, a drive through and it's so easy to just think, oh, I'll just get a coffee, but then you end up getting hash browns, or I'll just get a coffee and then you get a McMuffin. And it becomes something that you're thinking about that is a treat for yourself. And then that treat becomes a daily thing. And then you might be hiding wrappers. And then you're just like, oh, if it happened in the car, did it really happen? It's like, you know, on your birthday, if you break open the cake, all the calories escape. It's the lies that we tell ourselves to justify why we're doing things that don't serve us. And this is simply shining the loving light of awareness onto it. So you can actually see like, oh, yeah, I'm doing that. And this is what I can do about it, most importantly. In terms of the cost, especially when you're considering a family meal, you may think, well, the convenience and the cost factor is paramount. And I can understand that, especially, you know, given our current economy, I can understand that you would be doing that. But there are other things that you can do that don't carry all the drawbacks that that fast food does. We need to address that the cheap cost of fast food often comes at the expense of animal welfare. When food is needed at scale for these restaurants, we have to employ industrial farming methods. Then those animals are raised in cramped and stressful conditions, and they don't have the opportunity to engage in natural behaviors. Now, I am not a vegan. I'm not even a vegetarian, so I'm not coming for your meat. And vegans and vegetarians would even say that I'm hypocritical because I will always choose the free-range organic when I can. And, um, you know, they would say, well, Oh, I'm glad that your animal had a happy life before you ate it. But that to me is important. So it depends what's important to you. I would never buy caged battery eggs. I would always buy free range. And I know that they're more expensive. And even when money is tight, then I will prioritize that. So it does come down to priorities. And I'm also aware that it's a very uh, triggering at the moment around the economy. So it's doing what's best for your family. So if anything I'm saying is triggering you and you're starting to think, what would you know? You're not living in my house. You don't have my budget. It comes down to priorities of how you're actually, you know, prioritizing your money and your spend, and you have to do what's best for you. The truth is that the system that we have right now is leading to the suffering of millions of animals. And there's also an issue around the overuse of antibiotics because they're in such close quarters, there's loads of diseases, and now there's the rise of antibiotic-resistant bacteria, which is a huge global health threat. Now, I know that Australia has better standards for uh, factory farming than uh, the States does, but it's still not great. So think about chickens in Australian factory farms. Now, KFC, for instance, has a really, really bad track record with animal welfare. 
Now, imagine all of these chickens, these inquisitive and social animals crammed onto factory floors, living their entire lives in chronic pain because they are bred to develop at an unnaturally fast rate. So what happens is accelerated growth. It's like they're on, well, they're on hormones. Uh, it leads to a host of health issues. So they can suffer from lameness, skin lesions, heart failure, and they're picking each other and they've got urine burns all over them. So there is a cost associated with it. There's a cost for animal welfare and there's a cost to your health as well. So I'm going to just touch on now the manipulation by the fast food industry. And then I'm going to talk about how they've manipulated us most of all, like how they've actually created this addictive food-like substance. So starting out, well, like I said before, the child-focused marketing. So we've been indoctrinated and through the play areas, the popular toy giveaways, the character-themed meals, we grow up with Happy Meals. And now from a young age, your kids, if you have kids, I don't have kids. I, I keep talking to people because most people have kids. So if you don't have kids and you're like, I don't have kids, neither do I, but most people do. So yeah, <laughs> I see you, sister. It's not just marketing, it's indoctrination. It's creating these thoughts, these feelings about happy times, about having, you know, your birthday there, about going there after a shopping trip with mum. You know, it's it takes you back to those happy times. And that's what they do. They use emotional advertising. They use psychological tactics in their advertisements to appeal to our emotions. Now, they often portray their food as a source of happiness, comfort, and the ability to socially connect with others, right? The truth is, if you were being honest, like if, if there was honest advertising, it would be people a bit hungover going through the drive-through or at the end of the night a bit pissed or um, thinking, oh, I could really do with that and then eating it. And as they're eating it, they're like, oh, I'm not even really enjoying this, you know. And then after they've eaten it, like, oh, I feel like shit. And then a burp and a fart and they're hungry again. So it's getting to that point where you're actually able to see through that and that cause and effect, you know. Um, they also use limited time offers, deals and discounts, and they're often promoting way more food than you could ever need. And it's like, if you, I don't count calories at all, and I'm not into counting calories, but if you're looking at your calorific intake, caloric, calorific, whatever, intake for the day, that would be most of your day. How they scout out their locations is something as well. So they're strategically located in busy areas, at gas stations, near schools, and they're always in your mind. They've got billboards everywhere. They're in food courts. So they're constantly there in your awareness. Now, about three years ago, it was a social experiment done by Bite Back 2030. You can find it on YouTube. And what they did was they wanted to show consumers the effects of advertising so what they did was they got these eight people to turn up to a restaurant and I'm not going to ruin it for you go and have a look on YouTube it's called bite back 2030 social experiment the shocking effects of junk food advertising and they knew what these eight people were going to order in the restaurant they they put the envelope down in front of them they got them to order and then they uh, said order your food and now we're going to tell you what you just ordered and it was exactly what they did just amazing so it's really interesting how we're manipulated on an ongoing basis it's fascinating and then there's the supersize issue where everything is so over the top supersized so you know remember that supersize me uh documentary that morgan spurlock did 
So it was 2004 that he did this. And what happened is over, I mean, this is ridiculous. Like no one would ever do this. But anyway, he ate at McDonald's restaurants three times a day, eating every item on the chain's menu. I'm reading from Wikipedia. Uh, Thank you, Wikipedia. Eating every item on the chain's menu at least once. Uh, As a result, the then 32-year-old Spurlock gained 24.5 pounds, which is 11.1 kilos, a 13% body mass increase, increases cholesterol, and experienced mood swings, sexual dysfunction, and fat accumulation in his liver. It took Spurlock 14 months to lose all of the weight gained from his experiment using a vegan diet supervised by his then-girlfriend, a chef who specializes in gourmet vegan dishes. The reason why he started doing it is because of the increasing obesity throughout the US. Now let's look at the biggest form of manipulation now, which is the bliss point. So in an article by Pallavi Prasad is talking about the bliss point, how food companies ensure that you can't have just one French fry. And you know what it's like if you found yourself saying, oh, I really, really want it. I really, really want it. When you're eating it, you're just like almost shoving the food into your mouth. And it's, it's not even really, it doesn't even really feel like food. It's like, soft and it's just all the right textures just to cram into your mouth as fast as you can so it's not about having a lack of self-control or willpower there is a fast food industry that exists only for one reason and that's to make junk food sodas sauces chips every single element on their menu as addictive as possible so that we keep on eating it and you know sugar is one of the most addictive things and McDonald's have had sugar in their French fries. Like they're doing these little things to keep you addicted to their products. Now, for these companies to get that bliss point, it's um, really a sophisticated system. It relies on psychology and neuroscience, and it's tested rigorously before it's aggressively and expertly marketed to us. Now, the bliss point is a ratio of three nutrients, salt, sugar, and fat. There's a psychophysicist, Howard Moskowitz, and he coined the term bliss point in the 1990s, and he defined it as that sensory profile where you like food the most. And it's the food at its bliss point will make the eater feel that there is not too little or too much, but just the right amount of saltiness, sweetness, or richness from the fat. And that's the snackability that makes you want more and more and more. And junk food triggers our brain's reward zone. That's the same area where drugs and alcohol act. So each time you eat sugar, your brain releases dopamine, the happy hormone, and you feel good. And food manufacturers are spending millions to find the bliss point for each food. These foods bypass our normal fullness mechanisms, which is why you could eat them all day and not feel full. This is written by Dr. Daria Long Gillespie. And over time, your body becomes less sensitive to these foods. So you have to eat more just to get the same dopamine rush and you feel withdrawal if you don't get it. It's like a designer drug and an easy to open package. A journalist for the New York Times and author of the book, Salt, Sugar, Fat, How the Food Giants Hooked Us is Michael Moss. And he wrote, for our caveman ancestors, foods rich in sugar, fat and salt were necessary for survival and hard to come by which is why they didn't need much in terms of willpower to restrain themselves from over-consuming such products. This could explain why the centers in our brain responsible for willpower and self-control are evolutionarily young and weak in the face of a multi-billion dollars industry's efforts to psychobiologically engineer addictive food. Food for thought, right? Food for thought. 
and this is going into the more snack side of things, but it's just fascinating. So um, even the words that we're using, like craveability, snackability, moorishness, deliciousness, and tastiness, that's the industry's lingo. And these are words that describe the optimum psychological response to a product where the right ratio of salt, fat, and especially sugar are added in. And it's the crunch. It's the flavor burst. And that means altering the size and shape of the salt crystals on the chips so they aggressively land on our taste buds. And it's like your whole mouth springs into life. And one of the famous examples in the book, as documented by Moss, is Dr. Pepper Soda in the States. So the company was attempting to formulate a new flavor. It went through 61 formulas and 4,000 tasting events across America, costing a shitload of money, demanding that its food scientists continually tweak the recipe until they found the ultimate bliss point. And the result for them is Cherry Vanilla Dr. Pepper. And that's one of the company's most successful products. Another great example that Moss gives is Cheetos, which we don't have in um, Australia and New Zealand, but it would be like twisties or cheesels. Uh, and one of the most marvelously constructed foods on the planet in terms of pure pleasure. The addictive feature of Cheetos is the fact that it dissolves in the mouth, which tricks the brain, get this, which tricks the brain into thinking that no calories have been consumed. We have the power to make choices. We have the power to choose whether we're going to be manipulated and whether we're going to be programmed by a multi-bajillion industry that has their bottom line as their main driver, not as societal welfare, not as your health, not as your family's health. So as I've been researching this, a lot of information when I'm looking up nutritional values and all of that, it comes from the company. And quite frankly, I just don't trust them that much. So you know, they were putting a spin on things like somebody was asking them how they make the um, gravy for the potato and gravy. And they were like, we use traditional methods. What it, what they actually do is at the end of the night, when they're cleaning out the vats, they could get all the bits and bobs out of the vats that have been in there all day. And that's what they make the gravy from. Like, I know that when we're making a roast that we're using our own bits and bobs to make the roast, but that just doesn't feel right. That it's coming out of this big vat full of like, you know, hundreds of baskets of chicken. Like it just doesn't feel right. So some people were saying that the um, the mashed potato at KFC isn't even mashed potato, like it's just flour. Now I've looked that up because it didn't seem right to me. It says that it's made of potatoes, whey product, containing whey solids, non-fat milk, sodium caseinate, calcium sterol, lactylate, salt, mono and disaglycerides. <laughs> I think I said that wrong. Calcium sterol 2, lactylate. I'm saying all of these wrong, but this is, I can't even pronounce these fucking things that we're eating, right? Sodium bisulfate, natural flavors, natural colors, citric acid, and spice. Yeah. I don't want to eat that shit. <laughs> I don't want to eat it. That does not sound amazing to me at all in any way, shape, or form. I will never, ever, ever eat that again. Like, that's disgusting. Um, and you've heard, like, gross things, right? Like, chicken that's so diseased that there's pus things in it, that there's, you know, there are ways that you can do a reverse marketing job on yourself, so you don't want to eat that food anymore. And like, when you think about it, they are kids running these restaurants. And I know that they've got like standard operating procedures, but they're not going to be too concerned about things. They're probably going to be cutting corners. If you've ever worked at one, you're going to know. There's grease everywhere. Um, the, I mean, the ice cream machine, the, the thick shape machine is always broken. It's probably clocked up with mold. They were talking about that quite often they've gone to clean out the ice tray and there's cockroaches and flies in there. 
that there's mold in there. Um, and also they've done tests where they have tested the soda fountain things and there's feces bacteria all over them. So if you want some feces with your cup of diabetes, then that would be amazing. So you could do that. When I say food like substances, I mean it. McDonald's burger and fries does not rot. Real food rots. So in Iceland, McDonald's was shuttering its restaurants and an anthropologist, I can't say the name, I'm going to try it. It's like H-J-O-R-T-U-R with these weird like little dots over top. Hodgetur Samrison. I'm so sorry if Hodgetur Samrison ever listens to my podcast. Anyway, he went into the fast food chain just before it closed its doors. He never meant to eat the meal. He bought the meal. And then he put the cheeseburger and fries away to see what would happen. And the story goes that that guy put that cheeseburger into his garage and then he went to get it and there were mouse droppings around everything and the mice didn't even eat the cheeseburger, which is so disgusting. After three years, he took a peek. To his surprise, the meal looked as fresh as the day he bought it. Like, that is so disgusting. So that in, a, in this Today article, they go on to say, now the not-so-happy meal has a permanent home in Ricky Avac's bus hostel where the live cam makes it possible for anyone anywhere to watch it not decay there's another guy this guy melbourne man casey dean has a 25 year old quarter pounder so what happened was these guys in the 90s they were from country victoria and they wanted to fill their boots with mcdonald's on a big trip into the big smoke so they were three of them were in the car and they, the guy, Jono, was sitting, Jono, so so Australian, uh, he was sitting in the back seat and he said, hey, guys, do you want this? We said we couldn't eat another thing. And as a passing comment, he said, well, hold on to it until I come back. But he didn't come back. And the burger became an inside joke between the boys. So they held on to it for years. And what they said was that um, for a couple of days, it smelled like a burger. And then it just didn't smell like anything. This guy, Dean, is an Uber driver. And he says that he uses it to scare passengers out of their late night Macca's runs, which is what we call McDonald's in Australia, Macca's. Um, he said, I do night shifts and start at nine at night and finish at ungodly hours of the morning. Around 2 or 3 a.m., the likelihood of passengers asking you to go through the Macca's drive through is pretty high. And it is such a dreadful experience. I say, I'll take you through Macca's on one condition. And they all go, OK, what's that? He gets the passengers to type into their phones, world's oldest burger, and then his head pops up and then they lose their mind. It's not to say that you can never have fast food. Like if I was on a road trip and I was going somewhere and my only option, and you know what it's like when you're on a road trip, you know, I always, it takes me ages, way longer to pack than what I think it's going to. I'm always late, you know, in a perfect world. And I have done this many times as well. I would take my snacks with me and I would plan and then I would look to see if there was a grilled burger restaurant or if there was something that was a much higher quality, then I would get that. But sometimes you're on the road and KFC is there. I just get the chips. I just get the chips. I don't do, I don't dilly dally with that chicken. I don't want to spend my dollars and vote for factory chicken like that. So that's just me. So what are some alternatives then? Because it's not really about not having that takeaway night. So you could do freezer batching. And this is when you could have like, you know, a huge, um, I love freezer batching. You just make a large pot of chili, large pot of soup 
portion it up, freeze it, and then you can reheat it and you've got a night off cooking. And, you know, you could have two or three nights off cooking a week. Uh, homemade fast food. And this is where even the night before, when you're doing food prep for the night before, you could just um, cut up some salady things and even cook the burgers, the burger patties the night before and just toast the buns and all you're doing is assembling them. So, so easy. So delicious. You could do the same with kebab wraps with plenty of fresh veggies, grilled chicken. Or my favorite is a rotisserie chicken with a side of coleslaw. Like so delicious. And I get the slaw that hasn't got the um, mayo added and I just add my own. Stir fries are so easy. And I know that's cooking. I know that means that you're cooking, but you know. And the thing is when you're thinking about cleaning up, you're really only stacking dishes in the dishwasher. Um, other healthier options are Thai, Indian, sushi, and making it a bit special, like taking it to the beach, like having fish and chips at the beach is the best. Like I would never say that I'm not never eating fish and chips again. I don't eat them if they've got gluten on them or if the fish has got gluten on it, then I'll probably pick the outside off and, you know, and have some chips. A lot of this is around portion control as well. And it's also around that slim mindset that you occasionally get to eat these things but these, that's even fish and chips, that's actual food, right? It's not a food-like substance. So shifting from that fast food mentality to healthier alternatives doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice flavor or convenience. And there are fast food options like rolled, for instance, where I went the other day with a girlfriend and I had a, um, a chicken salad with prawn crackers, which prawn crackers aren't super healthy, but I like them and I eat them occasionally. And also I, then I had a soldier thing as well, like a fresh spring roll. You know, there are other options that we can have, like across the way from that, there was like a poke bowl place. You know, there's so many other options that we can have. So it's important to know that I'm not demonizing fast food or takeaway meals. Every family deserves a meal break one night a week, right? And you can do that in whichever way. It's the profound impact our food choices can have on our identity. When you indulge in a takeaway meal once a week, the decision that you make around that reflects your values, your self-perception, and ultimately your health and your weight identity because it's very, very hard to have a slim mindset while you're eating McDonald's, while you're eating Burger King or Hungry Jacks, while you're eating Domino's. That's not a slim mindset. So think about it as your identity, right? And I know this is not going to make me sound like a very nice person, but I'm going to tell you anyway, this is what I do because everything you're being sold to all of the time. You are being sold to all of the time. You are being manipulated by manufacturers and marketers all of the time. So you have to do a reverse sales job on yourself. This is the one of the ways I do a reverse sales job on myself. If I'm in a food court and I'm making a food decision, I hate food courts. I often, I don't very often eat in them, but anyway, if I was, um, or if I was, I mean, I've pulled in before like driving and I pulled in, I think it was a McDonald's and I looked around, I was just like, these are not my people. These are not my people. And I know that makes me sound very snobby, but observe the others in the queue at the, t at the tables. Like, do they represent the person you aspire to be? Slim, healthy, active? Or are they mirroring the aspects of yourself that you're on this journey to completely change? So think about what you're doing and who you're being. Because the choice that you're making sends a powerful message about who you are and what you stand for to yourself. And you're shaping this healthy and conscious identity and you are creating this for yourself as this healthy identity. So if you find yourself driving down the road and those golden arches are in the distance beckoning to you, 
going, come on in, you know you want a coffee, you know you want this, oh, this is so easy, you deserve it, just take a moment and ask yourself, what do I really deserve? What do I really deserve? Do I deserve to feel good about myself? Because chances are after you leave there, you do not feel good about yourself. Do you deserve to make food choices that align with your identity and your values and what you're creating for yourself and your body? And just know that the reverse sales job that you do on yourself is the key to reshaping your relationship with food and taking your power back from those who are determined to manipulate you for the dollars in your wallet. Now, this is a topic that's in the Slimmers Hypno Hub this week, and I am doing a hypno recording all around how to take those triggers for fast food and completely flip them upside down so you simply no longer want that food anymore. It's so powerful when we do the sales job on ourselves and on our own brains. So you can find the details for that in the show notes. Thanks for listening to this episode of Weight Release Revolution. Now, every good revolution needs people. And so I would be ever so grateful if you could share this podcast out with friends and family. You know those conversations when people start running themselves down or looking for miracle diet cures. Just share this podcast with them. Another way that you can share is to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts because that's showing Apple, hey, more people need to see this. And every time you leave a five-star rating, an angel gets her wings. True story. Be sure to subscribe yourself so you don't miss out on any future episodes. I've made you a whole bunch of valuable resources that you can find by clicking through on the link that starts in Go and ends in the word hello in the podcast description or show notes. So it's go.mindkey.com.au forward slash hello. And those resources are fabulous. You've got a free hypno download that supports you to break up with diets forever. There's a workshop that you can listen to to find out your sabotaging behaviors. You can listen to more hypno recordings over on my YouTube channel. And there's paid programs and ways to work more intensively with me over there. So go over and check that out. And I'll see you in the next episode. Love you. Believe in you. You've got this.